0: Good morning, Frontline Bible Church. That was weak, but that's okay. I haven't trained you guys on that yet. Okay. Well, guys, thank you for having me. I am, you can tell I did not bring the TV. I'm not going to be fooled. After last week and a few other technicalities, I was like, it's fine. We have these, the online people, we're going to overlay it online for them, so everyone wins. And especially me, because I don't have to deal with the TV just randomly screaming at me during the serious part of the sermon. <laughs> If you guys were here last week, you know what I'm talking about. If not, hope you get the context. So anyway, before I get started, guys, uh, of course, my name is Pastor Will. I'm a friend of Pastor John's, but Pastor John is out in California right now, and so he's not here. And then also, uh, JD, still having COVID symptoms. So guys, thank you, uh, Be- Blake and Bethany, for uh, that wonderful worship service. Very appreciated. Uh, very Rend Collective feel. I kind of, I-, I was digging it. Uh, I, le- I leaned over to my friend Zach and I was like, "Feeling run collective." He's like, "Yeah, this is good." I'm like, "Yeah, all right." So, good job, guys. Uh, so, um, anyway, uh, it's really great to be here this morning, guys. I really appreciate it. Um, and we are going to hop right in. We're continuing our series on from the beginning. And if I, by the way, I'm not sure if any of you guys have really put that together yet, but you notice how Star Warsy that font is. It's kind of awesome. So as a, yeah, as a Star Wars fan, thank you for, for just, it brings me happiness. But anyway, um, so you also uh, pray for me a little bit this morning. I started a new job this week, and it uh, was six days this week, it's about 65 hours. It's all training right now, very heavy. Uh, once I get rolling, it'll be fine. But right now, it's not, because it's just very busy. And it's not bad, it's just, you know, training so uh but it's great it's an answer to prayer and guys uh pre-sermon to the sermon god does answer prayer uh my wife and i we were praying that uh, god would provide me a job that would allow her to stay home with our baby and god did and so i got to start that job this week and so i'm very honored and privileged for it but it's just been busy so guys bear with me on that so if this comes off like a total flop blame the job not me okay all right so anyway Today is from the beginning, and we're going to talk about the first covenant. So we're going to pick right off from last week. Last week, as I've been kind of joking around about, I get the doom and gloom sermons a lot, right? Right? Like, oh, Will, I need you to preach on the fall of man. Oh, great. You mean when sin destroyed everything? Perfect. Hey, Will, I need you to preach on the flood. Oh, you mean when sin destroyed everything? Great. (laughs) Uh, But this week, I'm excited because I get a positive message. So now I don't have to keep reaching into my Baptist roots and giving you doom and gloom. We can have actually a pretty great sermon. So uh, today, we are going to be talking about the very first covenant. Now, haha. When you see this picture, what comes to mind? Rainbow. I feel like some of you guys are dodging. <laughs> you know. What? LGBTQ. Absolutely. Thank you. An <laughs> honest person. Someone's like a rainbow, I'm not falling for it. But when we see this, we think of the LGBTQ movement. And that's a problem, guys. And not because I'm not gonna go on that whole tangent yet but because we're allowing the world to redefine things. And we allow the world to redefine things because there's this weird idea. Have, have you guys, all right, so there's the 10 commandments. We all know them, right? You know, thou shalt not kill, take your own name in vain. We could go down all 10 of them. But we have this 11th commandment. Vodi Bauckham talks about this a little bit. And it is, be nice, right? That's the 11th commandment, be nice. But because Christians are so afraid to offend now, we have allowed people to redefine the covenants of God. See the problem? So we need to understand that when we see this, this isn't the LGBTQ. This is a hijacking of God's covenant. So I want to make sure we're very clear on that. And also, what blows my mind is June is right around the corner, and they call it Pride Month. So you'll see all the big corporations and their logos change to rainbow colors. And you know what's funny to me is that not only have we redefined God's covenant, but then we call it pride, the chiefest of all the sins. Yeah, it's a problem. So do not let the world redefine this because what we're talking about today is what this truly means. So I want you guys, when I'm mentioning rainbows and stuff, get that, the world's jargon, out of your head. We need to bleach that. Let it be clean again for God's original purpose. So, Today, we're going to remember the very first covenant God made, and how to truly not be ashamed, but to instead bring it back to its original meaning. Too often, we let the world control these narratives, and we need to remember to go back to the beginning, as this has said, and remember the fundamentals. So guys, today, I want to focus on this. You can rest in the promise of God because of these reasons I'm going to give you today. There's a lot of reasons, obviously, but we, and we can only cover some, and that's why I really appreciated the worship this music. It was that whole idea of, for example, we ran out of that grave, right? We're, God's pursuing us, and that's what this story is. Mankind ran away from God, and God had to bring judgment, but he showed mercy in it to Noah and his family because they were righteous and faithful. So we're going to pick up where things left off. So do me a favor and turn to your Bibles to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. Genesis, all the way in the back of your Bibles. I've cracked that joke like three times. I only get like a chuckle. bothers me. I'm hoping one of these times my delivery will actually get someone to laugh. All right. Okay, moving forward. So Genesis 8.1, guys. Genesis 8.1 says this. So remember, actually first, remember, this was just after the flood, had destroyed everything, waters everywhere. He's been hanging out on that for a while. (laughs) And then we see this, the very first verse. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth and the waters subsided. Now this, when, it, that's such a powerful phrase that God remembered Noah. You ever try to insert your name sometimes under the text? Not always that's a great hermeneutic, but think about that for a minute. God remembered Will. Wow, that's kind of cool. Now, what do we say when, what does it mean that God remembered? Does that mean God forgot, right? (laughs) Like, oh God forgets about you? No. So sometimes, guys, and to understand the Bible, the Bible sometimes uses anthropomorphic words, meaning like human descriptions, giving human qualities to God in order for us to better understand him. God is perfect. He is all-powerful, and he is all-knowing by his own nature. Therefore, he actually does not forget. So he doesn't remember the way we remember. But instead, the time had come for him to focus, back, focus on Noah here and start bringing deliverance. And then it said that the waters continued to abate. And then if you go through the text, it said that it, they landed on top of Mount Ararat. Now, if you go to Mount Ararat today, you won't find, a, find an ark. <laughs> it's a different mountain, all right? Just like if you look up Mount Sinai, the one that's like labeled on the map as Mount Sinai, it's not Mount Sinai. In in fact, if you actually, the Mount Sinai, if you go back to the history, it was actually some crazy, like, witch lady who said, Oh, yeah, that's Moses' mountain. And then everyone's like, Okay, (laughs) Mount Sinai. There's actually some pretty interesting stuff on where Mount Sinai could actually be, but we're not going to talk about that today. But here's the thing when life's choices and chaos fill in around us, and we think that God may have forgotten about us, we sometimes get dismayed we get sad we get depressed we we start questioning God do you even hear me God are you even there we we've all had these doubts so sometimes when life's chaos is around us we think that God may have forgotten about us but we and we think that perhaps God really cannot or will not deliver us from whatever difficulty we're going through and I think of the story of Noah dude the guy was I mean he was talk about a man on an island right just him and some people on an ark hoping to goodness that that water is going to go somewhere. And you would say that would be difficult, right? Surrounded by a flood, and maybe your life feels that way. Maybe it feels like you're surrounded by like uh, choppy waters. Maybe it feels like you're surrounded by chaos everywhere you go. But we struggle against this as human beings. But here's the thing. We serve the one true God, the one true God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a reason why they would claim that. Why why would the Jews say that so much? Because each and every one of those people, we saw God's faithfulness. So the God of Abraham, he was faithful. The God of Isaac, look how faithful he was. The God of Jacob, look how faithful he was. Even when the people weren't faithful to God. Because we all know each and every one of those people, there were flaws, right? So we think that maybe God cannot deliver us. We struggle with this. But then, guys, I'm sure that when Noah was building the ark, I'm sure he didn't necessarily want to be on there as long as he was. I'm sure he didn't want to work on the ark as long as he did. But even in the destruction of the world, in the destruction of the world, God remembered Noah. Even the destruction of your world, everything's falling apart. God hasn't forgotten you. That is one of the most powerful things in this story. And I think sometimes we're reading through it and we oh, God remembered Noah, blah, 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 blah. No, no, go back to that. Even in, when the, at the destruction of the world, God never forgot Noah. And he's not going to forget you. God remembers you too and he will not forget. Because as he said, behold, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Now, here's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be drawing a parallel to Noah and to us. And this isn't because I'm not taking a literal approach. I just think that we can learn from people's lives. And sometimes we can look at it and go, oh, there's things to take away from this, right? So we're going to do that. So the first thing also is that God never forgets you, as I would mentioned. And then God will deliver you. This is another thing we so often forget. So if God remembers us during our time of trial, well, what's he going to do about it? It's easy to just, okay, You know, thoughts and prayers, right? Oh, someone's going through a hard time. Oh, I hope that it goes well. It's one thing to remember somebody. It's one thing to have them in your mind. It's another thing to do something about it. And here we see God delivers you. God delivered Noah. So look, so there they are, lost at sea, and now they're stuck on a mountaintop. Man, wouldn't that be pretty inconvenient or what? You're floating along. You can't really control this thing. And then, well, land ho! (laughs) we can't go anywhere. Hopefully this turns out well, right? So they get stuck on this mountain. And what does Noah do? Well, naturally he goes back into the ark and he takes a nap. No, that's not what he does. Notice this. He sends out a bird. And he takes a step of faith, trusting God. Notice that the text also says nothing that Noah had a poor attitude. It wasn't like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sick of this stupid boat. It wasn't, oh, my goodness, you know, God, he couldn't have delivered me from this sooner. It was just, all right, land ho, we know that God's doing something. I know God works. I'm going to send out a bird to see what happens. I think the first bird was a raven, it said. But knowing the Lord would guide him to safety, he sends this bird. Uh, Verse 6, we're going to start reading there. Genesis 8, 6. At the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark that he had made, and he sent forth a raven. It went to and fro until the waters were dried up from the earth. And then he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters had subsided from the face of the ground. But the dove found no place to set her foot. She returned to him and to the ark, for the waters were still on the face of the whole earth. So he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark with him. He waited another seven days, and again he sent forth the dove out of the ark. And the dove came back to him in the evening, and behold, in her mouth was a freshly plucked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters had subsided from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent forth the dove, and she did not return to him anymore. She found a habitat. She found a place to live. That's cool. But notice that. Turmoil, all that. He didn't just, okay, God, whoa, I'm just waiting for you to tell me something, man. Just, just tell me. Tell me what it is that you want. I'm just going to sit here and wait. No. He opened the window, and he sent out a dove. And a raven, actually. This was clearly a sign to Noah, obviously, that the earth was indeed ready to be settled again. And consider, though, for a minute that Noah, as I said, did not just sit around. He didn't nap on the ark and just say, okay, let me know when it's all done now. He remained alert and proactive. This is one of the things that, you know, we often lack, being alert and proactive during times of difficulty and trial. You know, all this stuff's going on around us and it's easy to shut down. No, nope, don't want to deal with it. But consider that for a minute. He was alert and proactive. He was walking with God in faith the entire time and he continued to walk with God, not just stand. <laughs> okay? He didn't sit still. He didn't just wait. And I think this is important for us because so many of us, when we are in difficulties and struggles, we don't want to do anything. We just go, and how many of you have heard it? And we make it sound so spiritual. Well, I'm just waiting on God. Okay, great. That's awesome. What else? Just waiting on God, man. Are you being proactive? Are you being alert? You notice that all the prophets... Very rarely was it just sitting around and God communicating eventually, right? It was always do this, walk by faith. That's the difference. There was a bit of proactiveness there. This isn't work-based salvation, by the way. Don't misunderstand me. <laughs> this is something we often lack. Like. So we pray, God, deliver me. God, guide me. Yet we never take a step out onto the water. We never send a bird from the ark. We, never, we just stay inside waiting, hoping that God will one day give us a revelation from heaven. How many of you guys have done that before? Let's be honest, I have. Yeah. Am I the only one? Okay, thank you, honest people. The rest of you are liars. (laughs) We've all done it. I'm just going to sit here inside and not do anything. Well, guys, that's not how it works. So you can just rest in the promises of God because he will guide you. But also remember that Jesus said, seek you first the kingdom of God. And seek is an action word. And there's a lot of that in, in the words of God. You know, if you love me, keep my commandments. These are action words. So it's not just sitting around and just trying to act like oh, super spiritual, just oh yeah, God's gonna do it. No, no, there's an action word. Remember, we talked about it last word, last week. Faith without works is dead, right? And it's not saying that faith, uh, that works save you, but rather that you will know your faith by your works. Make sense? So get moving. It's okay. If your life is in turmoil, and let's be honest, all of us are experiencing turmoil in our life in some way, shape, or form. Right? Every single one of us. So instead, don't let it defeat you. Remember, God will deliver you. But you must stay proactive. You must stay alert. Do not be defeated in the time of trial because he is faithful. Maybe you do not know what God wants yet. Maybe that's your big issue. Well, I just don't know what God wants yet. That's okay. Okay. Noah did have to wait around in the ark for a very long time before it seemed God was doing something, right? He was in that ark a long, long time. And sometimes waiting on God can feel like an eternity. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt, guys. But God does work. Perhaps we're too... You two are in a waiting stage. Maybe you're you're like Noah. You're on the ark, right? You're in a waiting stage. A storm disheveled your life, and now you're just seeking and praying. That's okay. You can seek and pray. You know, it's better not to take a real, uh, if you don't know the direction to go, don't take the wrong one, right? (laughs) Take time. But still, in order to do that, to, to seek and pray, notice the action word still, seek and pray. It's still proactive. It's not just, nonchalant waiting, okay? So just don't forget to to sometimes look out your window, like the ark, send out a bird, seek his face. God will guide you, and he will deliver you in your difficulty, just as he did with Noah, and just as he did with all the patriarchs before and after. God is faithful. So the entire story of Noah is really one of faith. I mean, they said that he hadn't even seen rain yet, like rain, And then God's like, all right, man, rain's coming. What's that? Water's going to fall from the sky. What? <laughs> you, and then also, I'm going to flood the entire earth. What? There's all these things. So the entire story of Noah is one of faith. He trusted in God before he trusted him enough to build an ark, and then he trusted him enough all the way to the end. And here's the thing, you can trust God because he will always deliver you. Let's read at verse 13. Notice this. So in the 600th and first year of the, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters were dried from off the earth. And Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked, and behold, the face of the ground was dry. In the second month, on the 27th day of the month, the earth had dried out. Then God said to Noah, Go out from the ark, you and your wife, and your sons, and your sons' wives with you. Bring out with you every living thing that is with you of all flesh, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may swarm on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Notice that God did not just remember Noah, but he completely and totally delivered him to safety. That's what that is. All right, it's ready. Go. He didn't just, all right, man, you're on your own. No, he delivered him. This might not happen in the time you expect. Let's just be honest. Our timetable is always way ahead of God's, right? It just is. But it will happen. If not in this life, then in eternity. Because, uh, make no mistake, God promises rest to those who believe. This is why Jesus said my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Because you will be redeemed. You will be given rest. And then also we sometimes forget so we know that God never forgets us. God will deliver us. And then God has shown mercy to you. Do you ever really think about that? He showed mercy to you. Let me ask you have you ever done something terrible? Yeah. Yeah. I've done a lot of terrible things. I could give you a list of terrible things I've done. And yet the fact that God still loves me and pursues me daily, he shows me mercy. But notice in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird, and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So then suddenly God makes a promise. Now again, when he says he smelled the pleasing aroma, this is another anthropomorphism, okay? This is another using human traits. God doesn't, he doesn't have a giant nose, (laughs) He's immaterial, so that's not how that works. I feel like some people, they read this stuff, and they get a little confused, like, what? Uh, Does God want, like, like a human? No. Also, this is an interesting point in the Hebrew. Notice what God says here. I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from what? His youth. The Hebrew word here is the same word that's often used for, like, adolescence or um, even for young prostitutes, things like that. It's evil from then. Isn't that weird? Because if you guys are born maybe in more Reformed tradition, they teach that at the moment the baby pops out, it is evil, wicked, rebellious against God. But it says here that they're evil from their youth. This brings in the question, what truly fell at the fall of man? A little tangent here. Was it our entire being or was it our moral rectitude? Well, if you go by the tree of knowledge of good and evil, it was the moral rectitude. All of us have what the, what the Jews called a yetzer, a desire. And we have good and evil desires, right? From birth, you know this. As a kid, you have good and evil desires. Well, what happens as you get older? You start getting more and more inclined toward evil. That's how sin works. It starts as this little seed and then it grows. That's a fun little fact here in the text. I just wanted to put that out there. So God, may, so now God makes a promise not to destroy mankind due to his sinful actions. Tell me that's not mercy. I'll never do this again. Mankind's hearts evil from his youth, but I will not destroy them. That's mercy. That is a merciful God. God recognizes the states of man, man's heart, but chooses instead to spare him. God, as a creator of all things, author of life and death, has every right to judge it. And in fact, in the end, Jesus will judge it. But he still shows mercy. Remember, he gave the earth over a hundred years to repent with Noah, right? Noah was building an ark. It took him a hundred years to do it. That's mercy. They had every opportunity to repent. They didn't. But instead, God settles that. He will no longer destroy the earth through water, uh, through water due to man's sin. This is an amazing mercy. A mercy we don't always deserve. You look at some of the evils in the world today. You look at evil throughout history and you go, wow. Why didn't God do anything about it? You ever think that maybe God's given the opportunity for repentance? He's showing mercy. Because he's going to judge in the end, of course. But in this small blip of a thing we call life, he shows mercy. He gives aptitude for people to respond. That's a merciful God. Each and every day, God shows mercy and love toward us by being patient with us, by caring for us. I, guys, am not a patient person by nature. How many of you can relate with me on that? <laughs> yeah, my people. <laughs> I'm the guy who gets triggered in a McDonald's drive through if it's going too slow, all right? Or, goodness, great, I'm trying to get a Starbucks across the street before church, you know, and I didn't leave early enough, and that line's taking forever. I'm not a patient man. <laughs> I'm over there like, come on, this is ridiculous. And then I'm usually like, oh, they want $15 an hour, blah, 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 you know, just being that guy. I'm like a grumpy old man. <laughs> and my wife makes fun of me. It's a whole thing. I'm not a patient man. And those are our small, stupid, minor inconveniences. Yet God is patient toward us during the horrific sins that we have. How incredible is that? Is that not something to be thankful for? It's like somebody gives you something so nice, and you end up just not appreciating it. No, you appreciate it when someone does something great for you. That's what God does for us each and every day. This should give us great peace, because despite not being perfect— God is long-suffering. He is a benevolent and loving Father seeking his children. He's not walking around with a hammer for every single one of them that's out of line. How does that proverb go? The the nail that sticks out gets the hammer. He's not doing that. He's showing love, mercy, and long-suffering along with his children. This is why he sent Jesus Christ, because he wanted a relationship with us. He does not want to destroy us. He merely wants destruction of sin and death he wants the destruction of the bad stuff but he wants to keep you because there is value there one of the biggest lies that i hear preached is that we as human beings are just meaningless worthless sinners you're just a worthless sinner it's all you are really if that's all you are then why did god see value for to send his son to for you and then also what's wrong with suicide then No, you were created the image of God, and God loves you. And he sees value in you, because you are valuable, even though we are corrupted by sin. There is value there. So that's why he sent Jesus Christ. He does not want to destroy us. He wants sin and death to stop. And he wants to have a relationship with you. How powerful is that? Like, even in all my flaws and all my problems, man, God still wants to have a relationship with me. He's not condemning me how powerful is that i get to go before the throne of god and make my plea it's awesome but because we could not conquer sin and death ourselves right we can't do it ourselves usually we're sinning by a very young age (laughs) but because we cannot conquer sin and death ourselves he sends his son to do it for us what a merciful and loving god He paid the ransom for our sins. That's just crazy. It's like, you know, we always think of it in those action movies. Okay, I'm a movie buff, guys, and I'm a nerd. You know this. Deal with it. But it's like in the movies when the guy, like, jumps and takes the bullet for somebody. And we're like, oh, sacrifice. What a bro, right? (laughs) It's like God does that for us. He paid the ransom for our sins. Is that not something to be thankful for? So, God never forgets you. He will deliver you. He shows mercy to you. What else does God do? Well, of course, we could do this all day, right? All the cool things that God does for us. But I'm only going to have a few for us. God brings order to you. You guys know this. This is my pet. This is like my pet topic when it comes to Genesis. God brings order to you. We often take this creation for granted. Let's be honest. You don't walk out on, on the gr- dry ground and go, wow it's dry today it's no longer covered in water now you take it for granted because of course you do it's not like you've seen the whole world covered in water and we often take this creation for granted as far as like the governments and the peaceful life we 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 live i was actually thinking about that on my way to church this morning i don't know why it popped in my mind but it just did i was driving along and i was like wow how spoiled are we in comparison to the rest of the world? I'm just driving to church, just sipping coffee. I don't have to worry about how to feed my family. I have a good job. I don't have to worry about somebody shooting me on my way to church. I'm just driving along West Michigan. <laughs> how cool. And so we oftentimes take these things for granted, especially things like food, food, or the law and order that we get to experience. But here's the thing. The flood story shows that that was not always the case. Those are things that are gifts, mercies, graces from God. Because mankind used to be so evil that every thought of theirs was violent. For a while, mankind was restricted also on their options for food. And here at this, con- at this convenient time, we see God bring so much social order And putting an end also to chaotic murder and scrounging for food. Notice this Genesis 9, verse 1. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. For every beast, I will require it, and from man. From his fellow man, I will require reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image, and you be fruitful and multiply. Increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. This is God, we're getting to the covenant here in a minute. But here's what's so interesting about this. First, mankind was kind of restricted what they could eat, right? And now he goes, not just the plants, everything. I give you this as food for you. How many of you guys are waiting for me to shut up so you can go get lunch? <laughs> think about that. You, got, you, get, you get to know what you're going to eat. You don't have to worry about it. That's part of this covenant. It's part of this promise. That He's going to take care of that. Also, think about this. Beforehand, mankind was nothing but violent and evil, right? No consequences, so that's why God had to judge it. Notice this. Now God says, He who sheds the blood of man, by the hands of man shall his blood be shed. For mankind has created the image of God. You know what this was? The very first death penalty. You kill somebody, you're dead. Aren't you guys glad you came to church? But here's the thing. Is that not some form of social order? If mankind was so evil and violent beforehand, God's going enough. We're not allowing that. Someone who kills somebody, you take them out too. This and guess what? That tends to be a pretty good motivator, doesn't it? Maybe you know what? Maybe when I'm ticked off at Zach, I won't kill him. Why? Because I don't want to be killed. Maybe instead I'll talk it to, talk it through with him. You know. So, and also, this is an interesting point as far as, like, the different periods of Scripture. Notice how all the animals were available to eat. Not only kosher laws, because God's, the Mosaic law hadn't been established yet. This is a different time. But here we really see God emphasize the humane treatment of animals. He's like, hey, not with their lifeblood in it. Do you know what he means? They better be dead. Don't be just, like, treating animals by cutting off parts of them, leaving them alive so you can cook and keep it fresh. Disgusting. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, no, humane treatment of animals, which kind of tells me that probably beforehand they weren't being treated humanely. And then also, he orchestrates a humane treatment of mankind. And sometimes we take our laws and the peaceful society we live in today for granted. Here's the thing. All the laws in Western society, a good chunk of them are built off of Judeo-Christian values. If it wasn't for these covenants, People nowadays would have no idea what to do. But God is the one where He he brought the order. He brought order to chaos. And sometimes we forget that. So notice the reason we are not to murder one another as well. It's just because God says no, it's inconvenient. No, he says we're created in the image of God. We're all image-bearers of God. This is why I can't hate one of you and why you can't hate somebody else, because we're all equally valuable. We're all image bearers of God. So for me to hate you is for me to hate the very image of God made in you. See the problem? So I have to forgive you because you're creating the image of God. We need to remember that, especially nowadays. Oh my goodness, nowadays it's like our, our culture is so divided. People are hating each other left and right. It'll I'm telling you now, if you start understanding that these people, remember that rainbow flag, even the LGBTQ thing, are, are image bearers of God? It'll change the way you evangelize. It'll change the way you talk to people. I also think of all the racial unrest that we had over the last year. And all I was thinking is, like, you know what the problem is with all this racial unrest? One, obviously, manipulation, blah, 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 we could talk about that. But also it's the fact that nobody is looking at each other as made in the image of God. They want to look at everyone and point a finger. You're the problem. That person's the problem. Those types of people are the problem. No. No. Sin is the problem. We're created the image of God. And that is the reason why mankind cannot hate each other, kill each other, do these things. Because, man, God looked upon mankind and he molded us in his own image. How amazingly powerful is such a thought? And I'm telling you, once you start framing everything in that, it changes everything. I remember when it first hit me, this idea of the imago Dei, which is the Latin word for image of God, So many of you guys don't know me very well. Um, Some of you guys know me, some of you don't. But I was raised in actually a very abusive home. And I was angry, I was bitter, I was hateful. I had some thoughts today, back then, that I'm not proud of today. And it wasn't until I started really understanding what it was to create, and what it meant to be an image bearer of God, that I started looking at my abusers differently. I started seeing my sinners that were broken Image of God, bear, bear, bear it, image bearers of God, that were broken. And so, instead of hating them, and bitterness and re- resentment, I started showing having compassion, and just being like, "Wow, what's it like to be so broken?" And you know what's amazing is that just that there changed my behavior and changed my heart. It's amazing, and it was like, "Wow." That actually changed the way I approach people. And it impacted my heart, my bitterness, and my resentment and hatred. And it will do that for you too. That's why God is including this as part of his covenant. Then we have, so God brings order to you. Well, now God has made a promise to you. We serve a God of covenants. Uh, I think of that song that we sang a few weeks ago called uh, Promises. And the very first line is God of covenant. God of Abraham, God of covenant, right? That whole thing. We serve a God of covenants throughout the ages and throughout history. God has made different promises to different people for different purposes. And a covenant simply means a promise. There's a lot of parts that could go into that. Ian Renwick was here before. His message, look it up. He's going through all the he's breaking down entirely all the parts of a covenant today, instead, okay? But I'm aware that covenants are not to everyone, but they are for everyone. We all learn from a covenant, right? But, there are, but they are here, this one here is for all of us to learn from. And this one is actually to all mankind. This is the first recorded covenant in Scripture, and there's a lot of covenants in Scripture, and there's signs of other ones, but this is the first time we see God calling it such. So verse 8, Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I've established between me and all flesh is on the earth. The rainbow, which is often used for the cardinal sin nowadays, pride, is actually a symbol of God's love and provision to his people. Because again, Rain and all that stuff—you know—we hadn't seen that before. And he goes, every time you see that rainbow, I'll remember, and you'll remember the covenant between me and you. I will show mercy, where I could show wrath. Is that not something to remember? Is that not something to reprioritize in our mind? Every time I see the rainbow, that's not what that means. You know. I meant to tell the story at the beginning, but then I got excited. So you have to forgive me. So, it works here, though. God never forgets you. He will deliver you. He shows mercy to you. He brings order to you, and he's made a promise to you. You know what all this tells me? That God doesn't give up on us easily. He doesn't give up on us easily. So, how how do I tell this? Eh, from the beginning we'll go so many of you guys might be familiar i have an online ministry called the church split it's a podcast it's a youtube channel i pretty successful at this point which i'm still amazed that people think i'm even worth listening to but we talk about church splitting issues and we try to bring unity to to christians under the fundamentals because we have a lot more in common than we have not in common with other christians and there, we do a lot of pro-life talk because we're seeing this new stem of Christianity, this progressive Christianity that's pro-choice and okay with abortion. And there was this girl who found her way into our comment section, and her name was Brandy Parker, and don't worry, it's not like I'm slandering her. She, re, she has done some public things recently, I'll tell you about that. This was a girl who found us because we did a rebuke of a progressive Christian channel that was defending abortion. She found us through that. And she identified as bisexual. She was okay with trans. She was pro-choice, ardently so, and all these things, and yet still claimed to be a Christian. And she argued with us in the comment section. I mean, argued with us. And if you know me and my buddy Brian, we don't have kid gloves when it comes to topics. They come off, and we get very blunt, and we get very forward with arguments. Not nasty. We don't insult each other. We just get very forward on what people are saying. This girl recently, through arduous work, and I mean, I tell you what, there's times where you're like, you know what? I don't need to deal with the trolls in the comments. Have the video up. Don't talk to them. People get angry online. It's what happens. But Man, we couldn't stop. It was like, there's this whole urge. So we kept going. Then we gave her the church split email. Then we started doing long responses to each other. You know what ended up happening? School repented of her sexual lifestyle, became pro-life, and is now preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in a biblical fashion. And the reason why, thank you, that's weird. <laughs> the reason why is because God doesn't give up on us, so we can't give up on People. When you really think about that, it's like, who am I to give up on somebody? God hasn't given up on me. I can't give up on them. People are deceived by the world, guys. And let me tell you something. If God's made a promise to you, he's made it to everybody else, right? Preach it. Be proud of it. Seeing lives changed uh, on that. I mean, I literally, she told this whole story of how she went from pro-life to pro-choice. She put it on YouTube. I'm pro-choice to pro-life. And then she brought up. My story and my buddy Brian's story, my buddy Brian's son was born at 25 weeks, miracle baby, 10 years old now. And 25 weeks is legal abortion age. And so we do, and of course, my story, I have a lot of stuff about it. Bottom line is, she, I, mean, she start, I mean, she started weeping on her video. And I mean, I'm not a feeling guy. I'm just not. And I was like, whew, what's that? Oh, tingles. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. And all I just kept thinking of was, what if, what if I stopped talking to her? Well, she'd probably be in a different place. That's not because will is so wise. It's because God works through us. And you don't know when God's going to work on you. That person that seems to be hateful to you, spiteful to you, that's pushing it back against everything you're saying, keep doing the work of God. You might see a life change, and you won't see it coming, and when it happens, You will be losing sleep over how mind blown you are. Literally, I was so giddy that night, I couldn't, I was walking around my house smiling like an idiot. But anyway, that was a whole rabbit trail. God promised to never destroy the earth with water and is a covenant with everybody. It means He doesn't give up, He didn't give up on us, He doesn't give up on us easily. The rainbow was a symbol of peace. Think about that. After the destruction of the world, it was a symbol of peace. And nowadays, we still let them control it. We still let people control it. We still let the world and sin control it and go, no, no, this is sexual liberation. No. It's a symbol of peace and provision. We have a physical standing. That's another thing. We have a physical standing, a physical manifestation of the covenant we can see every day. Name another covenant that you can do that with. Even the new covenant with Jesus Christ, you can't, it's not like we have a, the actual cross and the actual nails and actual physical manifestations of that. We have an idea, but man, every day when it rains, you see that rainbow, when you're, even when you're washing your car and you see the little rainbow kind of shoot from the hose? That's provision. That's a reminder of God's mercy. Which means, guys, you can rest in the promise of God. Let me ask you, do you still see that rainbow today? Yeah. That means the promise is still active today, which means it has never run out. When God says he cares for you, that's a promise. God doesn't change. In fact, let's talk about the nature of God with covenants. There's a new covenant, and we're living under this new covenant, because Jeremiah 31-33 30, says this, Then we see the new covenant established by Christ's resurrection. And this was the very mystery handed down by Paul. Luke 20, 22, this is what the Lord's Supper. In the same way, after the the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Covenants are powerful things. They're promises of God. And you can rest in these promises of God. You can rest in them because we know that God, he never forgets us. He will deliver us. He shows mercy to us. He brings order to us. And he's made a promise to us and he doesn't break promises. In fact, God has never broken a promise. Numbers 23, 19 says, because in order to break a promise, a covenant is a promise. To break a promise is to lie. And Numbers says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? He promised you eternal life if you put your faith and trust in him. That's a covenant. That's a promise. He says he will deliver you. Do you not believe? Of course you do. At least I hope you do. He doesn't lie he doesn't break his promises and that is why by the way we as a church i know we do not believe that god's done with israel why because he made a promise with israel he's not done and he's not done with us i think sometimes we get this idea that like man my life is too complex it's too difficult i god can never deliver me from this you see my life you know what god says i made a promise with you i'll take care of it if not in this life then the next It's a powerful thing. So, if God has never broken a promise, then rejoice in his completed work. Love the God that loved you, even when you were unlovable. We've all been unlovable. We've all been wretched people, and yet God still loves us. And that's the whole motivation, right? We love him because he first loved us. Rejoice in his presence and be thankful. After all, is not thankfulness the most sincere form of worship? It is. Being truly thankful to God is the most sincere form of worship you can have. So when you see that rainbow over the sky, do not think of it as the world does, guys. He delivered Noah. So think of it as proof of the everlasting covenants of God. And you can rest in the promises of God each and every day and all you have to do is look up. That's literally what the rainbow is. You can rest in the promise every single day and all you have to do is look up. So your homework this week. If you're experiencing difficulty in your life, remember the promises and faithfulness of God. We all have difficulty. I could wax on eloquently and keep you guys here another two hours and tell you about all my difficulties. And then we could all take two-hour turns and all do it ourselves, right? But man, I'm glad I serve a God of promises and who is faithful to me no matter what the world throws at me. So guys, I am encouraged by this message. I am encouraged by the idea of the noaic covenant, that God's first giant covenant with mankind and that we have a physical manifestation. I'm thankful that God brings order to my life and I'm thankful that God will always deliver us. So guys, he doesn't give up on us easily, so we're not going to give up on each other easily. Right? We're a church. Let's be the body of Christ. Anyway, let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, God. We thank you for this time you've given us to come to your house and worship you. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness and for your promises. God, I pray that you'll help us to walk in those each and every day. Lord, I pray that as we dismiss God, we will will meditate on that, we'll think on it, and it'll change our lives and give us a new frame of reference to work on. God, I pray that you'll be with us during this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.